Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Eastup. And I'm Scott Reedley. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. It's good to be here. Why, thank you, Eric. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, I, too. I was saying welcome back to all the listeners. Oh, oh, oh. And also to you. That's fine. Oh, okay. That's fine. Um, I do really like this room, though. I like the lighting. We have a, none of This isn't a video podcast, so none of you can see this, but we have really... I don't know, calm lighting in here. It's just, it's a way better. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> it's better than the fluorescent bulbs uh, bouncing off of a white plastic table. Um, so it's a good spot. And that has nothing to do with our episode today, but I just wanted to mention it. Um, I've been doing some campaigning. That's good pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? I, if I'm running for office. Yes, I've seen your yard sign. Uh, <laughs> Leslie mentioned, my wife, uh, this this is the first yard sign we've ever ever posted on our yard. Well, that, that's probably a good one to start with. So that's my yard sign. Um, but some of campaigning is going to different events and giving your stump speech and talking with people. And I've been um, in some rooms where people are engaged politically, obviously. And it's interesting if you're, uh, if you're running for office, sometimes you're in some rooms where people... Um, would identify as Christian, but the main activity they're doing there is trying to gain political power. That's what's going on. And it's it's pretty fascinating because I'm sitting there. I, I still kind of feel like an outside observer, even though I can't technically be an outside observer. You'll hear people say, I'm not a politician, but, and then they give their speech, like, actually, you are a politician because you're giving a speech. And so <laughs> I, I am a politician giving yeah. a speech, uh, but I still feel like an observer. And I'm, I'm sitting in these rooms and sometimes uh, before they give all their stump speeches and talk about rah rah, we need to get power back. They'll often open in prayer um, because it's we're, we're Christians here. There's kind of an assumption um, in some of these rooms, and I just find it the, the juxtaposition of that so interesting um, because the thing that seems to I'll try to be charitable. The thing that seems to in, uh, ener energize them the most is the is the pursuit of political power, um, but there's still this trapping of. Uh, Christianity. They're still like, mm. of, of course we're going to pray. Of course we're going to do this thing because we're Christians. Um, and it feels a little bit like uh, I got four little kids at home and they have they have toys and, and they play and all these things. It's almost like the little kids are saying, hey, we're going to build a house. And um, my dad happens to be a master builder. So I'm going to, I'm going to reference him and I'm going to say, hey, that's my dad. Yep, we all know that's your dad. Okay, cool. And then they go pick up their toy box of tools and go, this is how we're going to build this house um, and just kind of forget that their dad is the master builder and their uh, their connection to what will actually get things done um, is far stronger than they think, is far, hmm. far um, more powerful. Uh, we use the word powerful there. Um, and it's just an interesting... So really you're asking the question, what is the relationship then between Christians and power, particularly mm -hmm. political power. Yeah. And yeah. how then should Christians relate to this political power that uh, that's really kind of everywhere, you might say, or mm -hmm. at least 
in in the circles that you're running in now. It's there, it's, and it's people often. are talking about it. And, well, the thing is, people talk about it no matter what circle they're in. Right. I mean, right. they can be outside of a circle, and they're still mm-hmm. talking about some sort of political uh, I'm power. just engaging in it in a, in a particularly involved way. Yeah, you're jumping on the inside. And now I'm getting to observe some things on, that right. are a little bit different. Yeah. But, but the question for us, really, and the one we want to take up today is, is you know, you've, you've brought it up, and you've seen it close up and personal is really what does a Christian, how does a Christian think about power, especially political power? Mm. And then when you think about this political power, what, um, what, do you, what do you make of it or how do you pursue it or should you pursue it? Mm. Several related questions as we think about Christians in power. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've seen it up close and personal. I've seen it you know, from a distance. I've been re- seeing articles and lots mm-hmm. and lots on Twitter about power imbalances and mm. how the... Um, the pandemic has made the power imbalances worse and foreign policy being determined by power imbalances, mental health, mm. relying on power equilibrium. And I mean, it's from, from mental health to foreign policy, Right, everybody's talking about power. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Christians should think about uh, what power means and what they need to, you know, how does a Christian wield it, pursue it? Uh, and ultimately uh, think about it. So let's start with the basics. Okay. What is power? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Power, according to the Cambridge English Dictionary. He he just pulled this out of thin air, guys. I'm just... He just knows the Cambridge English. Would have gone with OED, but whatever. (laughs) It is uh, the ability to control people and events. Then the secondary definition is the amount of political control a person or a group has in a country. Mm. And I thought it was interesting that even in the definition of power, you get right to political power. Right. Same thing, actually, at dictionary.com. The first, first uh, definition is the ability to do or act, com- um, capa- uh, capability of doing or accomplishing something. Second definition, political or national strength. Mm. And so there really is even the dictionary acknowledges the very problem that we're talking about, which is this capacity to act, this ability to do something, ultimately um, plays out in the world arena with nation states mm. and uh, uh, politics. So that's you know this ability to do something or the ability right. to control. I think are the things that are they're key about uh, power. And so as we think about power and the ability to control the ability to do things, it does escalate very quickly into um, political or nation-state power. And then how do Christians Mm. engage that? Because it was quite a bit different when there were just a couple Christians or 120 at the very beginning. And Rome was... When access to power was nil. They couldn't have any, Yeah. yeah. And so... The, 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 the scripture, it's different in the scripture, but uh, certainly now we have to think about it in uh, you know somewhat thorough way. And so we're going to try and do some of that anyway. We mm-hmm. don't, probably don't have claims to be completely thorough, but hopefully a helpful way to um, just for us as Christians to think about power. So where would you start uh, as a, on a Christian perspective on power, Eric? Uh, Genesis. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, I would start with the Lord has power. The God creator universe, the creator of the universe has power, especially if we're just talking about a very, very basic definition, ability to do or act. Um, God created and Mm -hmm. he did so uh, with a word. He did so quickly. um, And he prepared land for humans to inhabit. um, And he, I mean, that's, that's power. If, 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 if anything is power, that's power. Um, and I think that's a good place to start rather than just start with the, the terrestrial, just the, uh, just going straight to political, um, who actually has the power. God has the power. Well, the Lord has the power. And the, the very fact you start there is, uh, acknowledges something that is uniquely, I don't know if it's uniquely Christian, but it's patently Christian in that, um, God has power, spoke the word, the world into existence with a word, and all other power is derived power mm, or, or, delegated or delegated power. power. Yep. It's, it's not ultimate power. Mm-hmm. In other words, there, there is no power apart from the power that first came from God. Right. To put it another way, there is no power to control some ability or some portion of the world unless God first created the world in order for there to ha- be power to exercise. Right. And no ability to do or act outside of what God has uh, put into motion already. Mm-hmm. And I think just to uh, buttress this idea about the Lord having power, if you just read through Psalms, there's so much talk of God having power, of the Lord Yahweh having power. This is Psalm 147. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Uh, Psalm 21, be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. And then one of my favorites, um, I just think it's a helpful meditation to read, just read through the back end of Job. Um, jo- Job is is kind of, I don't know about raising his fist, that, that may be reading too much into the text, but um, wants an answer nonetheless about why is he suffering, what's going on, and God just describes his power. Well, he begins to ask Job questions. Right, right. And he starts to ask Job, were you there? Were you there? What about this? Mm-hmm, How does mm-hmm. this work? Yeah. Right, and it's kind of a, a, subtle, a subtle pointing to his power. <laughs> I don't know about subtle. <laughs> it's but. not subtle. No, in fact, it's so amazing that there's somebody in my life group memorizing that. Oh, my If goodness. you can imagine that. And, and he just is flabbergasted almost every, every time I talk to him about how amazing this is. But anyway, you, I interrupted you. You were talking about the end of Job, Job 37. Go ahead. Oh, and this is just one uh, piece uh, the, in Job 37. The Almighty, we cannot find him. He is great in power. Justice and abundant righteousness he will not violate, which, again, just pointing to his power. There's, there's plenty there in Job, and you could just read it. Might be worth doing. Just pause the episode and go read Job. That's probably <laughs> That would be a doing. good outcome. Yeah. Um, but, so that's, that's where I would start. God okay. has the power. Mm-hmm. And it's ultimate. Mm-hmm. And then the the next thing that we probably ought to um, kind of come to grips with is what kind of power are we thinking about or talking about? Um, and I say kind of power because I I think that we you know we can't see spiritual power. Let me say it that way. Mm. So we go for the power we can see, mm-hmm. and we appreciate the power we can see and we respect it and we marvel at it maybe. But when you're talking about, um, you know, the Lord had the power to uh, create. And then as Christians, there are a couple, 
a couple places where this power intersects us that we dare not uh, ignore. Mm. Uh, one has to do, I think, with uh, the gospel, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. And so we, we must remember that this gospel that we're talking about, this work of God in the world in creation, through the fall, in redemption, and ultimately in consummation, that God is working this gospel in, with resurrection power for mm. all who believe. And so for us then to disbelieve or to neglect that would be a big mistake on the part of Christians. I, not that Christian politicians neglect the gospel, but but it's called gospel or good news for a reason. Right. Because it is that story that's ultimate. It is all of these other um, potential ideologies or political visions that are similar in their story but don't have the power. Mm. So the gospel is one of the places we need to go back to for power. The other, I think, has to do with the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 1.8, the beginning uh, of uh, when, before Jesus ascended, he, he told the church, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what we have is the Holy Spirit as the power of God for the church. And that, and it's interesting that that power for the church then uh, spreads through the political world, mm -hmm. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. it, is a, it is an expansive power that uh, intersects human um, realms or human mm -hmm. uh, jurisdictions, mm. you might say. And so that's... And to expand that a little bit, um, the, in the Romans piece, the power of God for salvation, if you're like me, growing up in the church, your mind may have went to, ah, oh, that's, that's how I get Jesus in my heart, and now I'm saved, and I will one day go to heaven. Uh, something simple. But you just described the redemptive narrative, creation, fall, redemption, consummation, or restoration. The good news proclaims the restoration of the world, not just an individual salvation. And we've been walking through Matthew as a church. Um, the word salvation was used for the um, the healing of, of physical ailments, the healing and the restoration of, of broken bodies. So salvation is not just a compartmentalized personal salvation. It's a restoration of all creation as well. If, if listener, if you have that uh, little circle that goes back 30 seconds, Go back and listen to Eric on that again because that is really important. Uh, because you can, I can hardly be overstated that when you, when we individualize the gospel and say it's for me, so that I go to heaven when I die, mm. then, it, then a conversation about politics or a conversation about how I engage the world makes no sense. In other words, I've privatized my religion. It's in a different box. I've privatized it, so then my public life, it doesn't intersect my public life. And when I do that, then all of a sudden, then we have to have all these machinations about how does a Christian engage the world when, in fact, if your gospel is a gospel of the kingdom, a gospel that says there's going to be a new political ruler, a king, who's going to establish a kingdom in this world and is going to right all wrongs, then all of a sudden, that is very public, and your, mm -hmm. you know, what what was your private faith is now 
by definition, a public faith. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to, to overstate what Eric just said about the privatization of the gospel, because it that would be that would be like um, you know cutting it up and only having one tiny piece of the gospel right. that you're going to hang on to, and that's going to be your good news. Mm-hmm. And I mean, which means you just leave tons of good news on the cutting room floor. Number one, number two, it means that the 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 part of the gospel that makes sense of this public world, in other words the fact that Jesus is king and is going to establish his reign, that is that is not present in that privatized version. Mm-hmm. And so, again, all, all that to say that the gospel that's the power of God to salvation is, is bigger than merely getting me to heaven when I die. Mm. So those are, I mean, those are a couple ways that we just have to kind of keep, uh, that we have to keep in mind, things we have to keep in mind as we think through power and the Christian's relationship to it, because what's going to happen is we're, what's going to happen? I can't predict it's going to happen. The temptation is going to be to say, I'm going to leave my gospel at church, mm. or I'm going to leave my, my Holy Spirit with my Bible here, and now I'm going to go do my politics, or now I'm going right. to go vote, or now I'm going to go do whatever. And, and again, keep those separate. We have, we have been so used to keeping those separate that the the prospect of the gospel, the power of the gospel impinging upon my politics is almost foreign, mm. as as is the power of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, we've got to go back there to the, those are the very fundamental parts of our mm-hmm. faith, really. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's one place to go anyway, one place to start. I think another another thing that that I think should inform our, vision of political power is simply how unimpressed God is with worldly power. Mm. Um, and I mean, you just look at the news and it almost, it almost makes, you know, it's just boring really when you think about what, how God views the world. I mean, here's, here's Psalm chapter two and Psalm chapter two talks about politics says, why do the nations rage and why and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Okay, here's, here's how impressed God is with that, those threats. He who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord holds them in derision. So good. Yeah, he could hardly be less taken with the power of the kings and the rulers and all of those who are going to rage and plot in vain. Mm. And I just, I just want to remind us of that. I wish I could. I, I wish when we get around to voting in November, I could remind people of this. I just, God's not impressed, and He's not threatened, and He's not worried. And he's not dependent on these nations, peoples, rulers, mm-hmm. and kings for his thing to happen. Mm. That's, I think, the thing that we've got to come to grips with. So, Well, and he's pointing out the characteristic that seems to be the most powerful in regards to uh, exerting influence and control and things in, in nations. Um, 
Psalms 2 is always jarring for me. When you're reading through your Bible every year, you read Psalm 1, and it's it's almost pastoral. Blessed, and blessed, blessed, si- blessed. Sitting by mm-hmm. the water and all this stuff. And then you read Psalm 2, and it's why do the nations rage? And if um, I don't know that Psalm 2 is necessarily a response to this, but uh, the first line of the Iliad is, um, Sing, O muse, of the rage of Achilles. And it's all about Achilles and his rage. Mm. Um, and he's in, he's in the uh, Trojan War, and great powers battling each other. And Psalms t- Psalm 2 almost says, why do the nations rage? God, the true God, mm-hmm. is laughing in heaven mm-hmm. at your rage. And it, the Iliad is like the Bible of the Greeks, like their influential mm-hmm. um, piece. So I just think that's such a helpful way to figure out how, how, how should I sit um, in position with this power? It's not, it's not the power that uh, the world thinks they, it has. God is laughing about this power. Well, yeah, I mean, God sits in heaven and laughs, and I think we sit down here and wring our hands, mm-hmm. and we worry, and we talk about how um, incompetent people are, politicians are, and how terrible other politicians are, mm-hmm. and and really, politicians are the worst. They are. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm. It really, is, it's going to be hard for me, Eric, for you to be doing this because now I just can't like rah, 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 about of politicians anymore. I got to be more respectful and thoughtful because <laughs> I'm sitting across the table from one right now. But anyway, so God is unimpressed by the world's power so much so that the way God operates is in the opposite direction. First Corinthians chapter one is a beautiful statement really about the standards of the world and God's standards. He says in first uh, Corinthians one twenty six, for consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that just calls it out just straight up, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. He says, there are not many of you who were powerful or of noble birth, and God chose what's foolish to shame the wise and weak to shame the strong, what's low uh, to dis- uh, shame what is high. And anyway, it got, appears, it just appears that God has s- such, well, derision is the word Psalms use, mm-hmm. Uh, it's such lack of interest in worldly power that he is happy to go ahead and call uh, mostly uh, foolish, mostly weak um, kinds of people to be his. Mm-hmm. He's going to operate. He's going to operate with a different operating system mm. than the operating system of power. Uh, you see that again uh, when God starts to talk about who's exalted and who's important. First Peter chapter five, he says, Close your, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. There's, there's your power. Mm-hmm. Okay, the power is not yours. The power is the mighty hand of God, so that at proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Again, this kind of hits all of our 
our worries and our thoughts about power is like, oh, what if I don't have it? What if the other party gets it? Mm -hmm. What if my person's not elected? Cast all your anxieties on him. He cares for Mm -hmm. you. Humble yourself under his mighty hand and he'll exalt you in due time. It'll be okay because he operates differently Mm -hmm. uh, with regard to power than the world does. Uh, Related to that operating system, we again have been uh, in Matthew at church and and will uh, be for a while. I was I was realizing this. <laughs> like, there's a lot of chapters <laughs> in this book. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, we're in going slow and enjoying it. Shall oh, we it's say. fantastic. But the uh, Sermon on the Mount starts off first words. Uh, it says Jesus opened his mouth and mm. said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." And the reality is, um, <laughs> in, in the world, the meek don't get squat. Mm. I mean, the, the poor in spirit don't go anywhere. That is not the, anybody grasping for power, those two groups. Right. And they couldn't. They're poor, and they are not after it. So anyway, it seems to me that when God is building his kingdom, he's building it on a different operating system, mm-hmm. one that's humble, poor in spirit, mourning, meek, Mm-hmm. merciful as opposed to the operating system that has to do with power and control mm-hmm. and uh, you know making sure that your enemies are pushed down and all of these things are the way that the world works when God is doing something different than that mm. and I, th- I think it's worth noting just to to pull that apart a little bit um, God is not rejecting power e- even in this passage, uh, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, a kingdom is inherently powerful. So, but he's just de- describing a different way of getting power and, and describing a different power. We're not just engaging the delegated uh, authorities and the, and the delegated powers that have done all these machinations um, below me. I'm saying here's, here's the ultimate authority in all the universe, the kingdom of heaven. Um, I decide who gets connected to that power and authority structure, and it's the poor in spirit. They're going to have the kingdom. They're, in fact, they're going to have the whole, the, the meek is going to have the entire earth. Like that's, that hard, is hard a, to beat that. Right. But there is power there. It's just, it's a completely different way of getting power. And I, I think that's some of the challenge that uh, we will have, that you will have, Eric. Mm. Uh, I'll have less of it because, you know, I'm a nobody. You're a politician, of course. But, uh, which means not nobody, whatever. <laughs> the the problem that you'll have is that the means, and that, well, this is this is what you just said. Mm-hmm. These are your words. The means by which things happen, okay, that's power, right? The means mm-hmm. uh, are different in the kingdom of heaven than they are in the world. And so for Christians, and this, this now we're getting kind of to the point here, for Christians to grasp for power, for Christians to be, power hungry, to say we can only win if we get this, is is to think differently than Jesus thinks. Mm. Because Jesus is saying the poor in spirit get the kingdom of heaven, the meek inherit the earth, the, the way up is down, mm-hmm. and the means by which he does things. And so I, I think it's, it's going to be very hard for you, really, mm-hmm. in a political arena where if you're the only person going this direction, or there's only a few of you, uh, that's going to be a really hard 
uh, road to hoe for sure. But, but again, it's... It'll probably take a different power. It's just the Jesus way, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to trust in Jesus in that regard. Right. And, um, you know, that the, because the means of power, the means of exercising power are different. Which, which reminds me, and, then, and probably when you said it's different power, it, it kind of takes me to the next thing, which suggests, more than suggests, that Christians um, rejoice not in power but in weakness. Uh, figure that out. So when you're in that situation and other people are going for it, you're gonna, you, you can rejoice in weakness. This is what 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 10 says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. And so, just even as I was um, talking to you about what your life will be like, this is perfect, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because yes, I just I just said you're going to have a hard time because you're going to be like upside down from everyone else. Perfect. That's exactly what this says. You want to be is go ahead and glory in your weakness, mm-hmm. so that the power of Christ might rest in you. And so it, that's just again so opposite of the way that the world works. And I would also add, I, I included verse ten there of Second uh, Corinthians twelve. Because it says, I am content in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And I just want to say that as I hear Christians talk about the news, talk about a political, uh, political opponents or political parties that are not theirs, they do not normally seem content to be weak or to be insulted or to somehow have on the horizon hardships, persecutions, or calamities. Mm. And what this tells me, though, is that I can be content mm-hmm. and that the if I do things the way of Jesus, I'm going to get those. Those things are going to come my way, and I'm going to have to be ready for them. And, it's, and, and again, this is where the rub comes in because what do I do? Do I then try and put up some sort of political fight hoping not to encounter insults and hardships, or do I, you know, and, and I'm not saying you, you shouldn't go for better policies and things that are better for humans and all of this. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything about uh, policies. I'm just saying, I'm saying more about contentment and peace mm-hmm. and anxiety because here I have the power of Christ, and why would I worry Right. about these other things. So for, for me, that's a, that's a, it's a place of extreme security. Right. Uh, because I'm not, my contentment, my peace, all of that is not contingent on what other people say about me or whether I have hardships or anything like that. Well, I want to just reiterate something you said. Uh, I think you used the phrase, thinking like Jesus thinks. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're talking through this and, and you maybe listener, you're considering what makes you anxious, maybe it's some political thing or some policy thing or some state or local or city or county or whatever thing. Um, and you're going, if, if in your mind you went, yeah, but this is different. Please pause, <laughs> please um, talk to Jesus and say, hey, I am thinking that I need different tools than you had 
to meet the needs of the moment um, and rehearse the gospel again. The, the king of the universe humbled himself and took death on a cross and embraced weakness um, and through that conquered death and will one day restore all of creation and currently sits at the right hand of the throne of God. I think another verse says sits uh, in the power at the right hand of the throne of God or, or includes power there somehow. So there is, there is nothing outside of his authority that was not grasped engaging the world that way. And if we're thinking at all, yeah, but this is different. You don't, you don't understand. You, that was what Jesus was doing. I need to do something different. Um, well, Jesus couldn't vote. Jesus couldn't vote. Yes, I mean, Jesus awesome. couldn't. He couldn't influence, you know, the powers that be. That, clearly not true. <laughs> he, he couldn't vote, sure. But he could influence. And he did influence. And he did take all authority for himself again, or was, was given all authority mm -hmm. again through um, his through his humility, through his embrace of weakness. Um, and I, I want you, listener, to sit in that identity. A lot of 2 Corinthians 12 comes from sitting in the identity of belonging to Christ. You can't say, I'm content with weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions if you're not first identifying with, I belong to Jesus. And there's so much security there. Um, and I even kind of picture that myself when something's coming at me, like, hold up, how, how much of this stuff actually changes who I am, my identity, Oh, none of that. I belong to Jesus, and he's sitting um, at the right hand of the, of the power of God. So just lean into that. This is so good for you, so helpful for you, uh, especially if you find yourself affected by um, what's going on around you. I don't mm -hmm. wanna, I'm not pleading for a stoicism, but um, a robust understanding of the power you're attached to. Yeah, a, a robust understanding of your union with Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so, because if you believe that there is resurrection power in Christ, then to be united with him is going to... It's fantastic. It's going to be okay. More than okay. How many times <laughs> have we said it's going to be okay on this podcast over the year? Um, one of the other things that is worth talking about, I think, Eric, when we're talking about power and Christians, is that the New Testament uh, often identifies political power and spiritual power uh, as one in the same, or at least as related to one another. Mm. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to read what we have referred to here, and most people read as uh, governing authorities, people who are in charge. Uh, Romans 13, let every person be subject to governing authorities. There's no authority except from God. And those that have been uh, exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities res resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So there you have one, two, three, at least three times authorities, right? And then you just uh, you know turn a couple pages in your New Testament, and it talks about Jesus in Colossians chapter 1, and it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Okay, so just we're going to stop. Heaven and earth, visible and invisible. So there are some of these things you can't see, some of these things you can see. Think about which ones you can see and which ones you can't see. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, there are several interesting things there. One is some of this is invisible, some is visible. 
and the language commingles. You might say the language overlaps, and it overlaps with Romans 13, mm. which are the authorities, and because it's those authorities that have been created and are subject to Jesus. And that's important because um, this is not a benign discussion to say, okay, this is how you're, um, you know, this is the process for voting, let's say. You get, you know, maybe you, you don't have mail-in voting like Oregon, and you get in your car and you go to the polling place and you sign in and you show them your ID and you, whatever you do, right? And, you know, here's step one, two, three, four, five, and this is how you participate in power. This is different than that because this isn't a, this isn't merely a, um, a human sort of a thing. This is, this is, I think, the scripture suggesting that the power that you engage when you engage political power has a spiritual dimension to it. And it has, and, and, there, and you can't just say that my, my Christianity is private, my faith is private, mm. it gets me to heaven and saves me, right. but then my public is this other thing. It's the same connection. Yeah. yeah, it's the same. We've been talking about this before, but here you've got these spiritual powers and earthly powers that are almost indistinguishable, uh, so much so. we got the same thing, Romans chapter 8. Love the end of Romans 8. It says, For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you say nor powers? I, I think I said I nor powers. <laughs> There's no po- nor powers. And so what you've got is you've got this, again, power being subjected to the power that's in Christ. And, but the power also intersecting your faith in Christ mm-hmm. in a way that can or, or threatens to, shall I say, pull you from Christ uh, in the, the kinds of terms that you might use for idolatry. And so I, I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there to, because as you read the New Testament, these lists that, where it talks all about thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, and you're thinking, well, what are those? Yes, they're physical, they're, they're mm-hmm. visible and invisible. And they're, they're, um, th- this power that we're talking about, when we're talking about political power, has a spiritual dimension to it. And so I would say, that Christians especially need to be careful what they're grasping for and what, and what they're abandoning mm. when they go after um, political power. That's good. Yeah, and I, I would, to put that another way, just um, the, the political power we engage is, again, delegated, lower-level um, something, Beware that you don't drop one one power, uh, the connection with Jesus, in order to go. Hey, I'm going to go play with these levers over here, because um, it's all reading through Romans eight. It, whatever you're engaging is smaller than the power you're connected to because you're with Jesus. Um, and I, I think it's it might be as simple as something of scale. Like oh, you're just pl- it, back to the beginning. You're playing with the toys in the toy box rather than interacting with your dad, who's the master builder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we, because there seems to be an immediacy and a quickness to the 
um, the workings of power in political things, it gets us excited. And there's something interesting about it and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can see levers move. You can see things happen. You can see influence exerted. And we go, yeah, this is, this is action. This is mm-hmm. immediate. Um, and we just kind of let go. And I don't know if there's actually a letting go, but just beware of the temptation. Because um, reading through Romans 8, Colossians 1, Romans 13, um, it's such a more immense picture than whatever I can gauge here. And it's, so in some respect, we're being theoretical about this, right? There's spiritual power, there's power of the gospel, there's the power of the spirit. And, you know, that you, you need to not give that up to take political power or, um, and you need to not say the means by which the church gets power is through politics. Mm. But it, so, and that's really all theoretical in some mm-hmm. respect. Or, uh, but because I, I don't want people, I, I want it to be theoretical in that people can't lose sight of what's, what's ultimately important. Mm. And they do. And they do. And they say, we, we've got to get this voting block. We've got to get this to happen. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, no, we, we have enough theory from the Bible to say uh, that, that, yes, don't drop the gospel. Don't forget where your power really lies. Uh, don't start rejoicing in power instead of in weakness. I mean, don't turn your Christian life upside down because the world works the other way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so in some respect, that's all th- theoretical, but I'm trying to think, okay, how do we help people know if they have, you know, if they're getting upside down on that? Mm. In other words, what, what kind of practical things can we look at there? And in my first, my first thermometer, you might say, uh, the first thing that I would see is what, how worried I am I about these things? That's where I was going to go, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is my fear level. And if my fear level is a, a fear that there's power that is out of, you know, it's, it's out of my control, that's one thing. But if I'm fearful, I'm probably mm-hmm. believing it's out of God's control. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think fear is one of those things uh, where, um, now, I mean, yeah, there are all kinds of foolish things that go on. Mm. And, and God does hold that in derision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I might be tempted to hold it in derision as well, but if it causes me anxiety and fear, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, just again, as far as, you know, practical things, I think, I think just catching ourselves kind of at the moment when we begin to, to grasp for power or agree that, if only the Christians could gain political power somehow, then they'd have what they need. They don't, that, that is untrue. That is just simply untrue. Christians do not need political power. Mm. They, have, they have the power of God unto salvation. They have the Holy Spirit, which brings power. They have this uh, power of God made strong in their weakness to grasp for it. And, and, and again, I, I say that because the temptation is not right now. Temptation is mm. going to be in November. Mm-hmm. Temptation is going to be two years from November mm-hmm. when we feel like we've got to have the our anxieties know, will ramp up. Yeah, and we're going to we're going to need a you know, the church to somehow grasp for power, mm-hmm. and that's um, just catching ourselves in that tendency because that's sort of you know that's sort of where we flip upside down. When mm-hmm. we're right side up in the kingdom of heaven and we're rejoicing in our weakness because God's power is made in us, 
when we begin to start looking for, oh, it'll get better if, and we flip over, if somehow we get more power. I, that's, right. for me, I, I see that. I feel that in myself. I see that in uh, other Christians. And, you know, I don't know if you've got any other uh, practical things that will will help us here, but that's one of the things that I'm just trying to... Um, I think those are good for barometers. Um, I, I was reading an article, actually, you sent over. Uh, Benjamin Wyatt wrote this little bit, and I, th- I think I'll read it because I think it points to what we're trying to do with power. Um, it says, Whatever else one makes of Christianity, Christianity is notoriously obtuse and beguiling apocalyptic scriptures. He's referring to Revelation and things. They are clear that the fixing the world is a task that only God can accomplish. No amount of political campaigning or social prestige will call the new Jerusalem down from heaven. Our brightest and best human accomplishments are but an infinitesimal foretaste of that glorious future. The Christian's action in the public sphere are less like warfare and more like worship. They announce and rejoice in God's desire for the world, and in so doing make the world reflect the glory of its creator just a bit more. And I, th- I think that, that distinction mm-hmm. between warfare and worship, if I am engaging this thing— um, maybe you're engaging it just at the ballot box, or maybe you're engaging it like me. If I'm engaging it as an act of worship, um, all I have is God's, and I'm going to give it to Him, whether mm-hmm. stewardship or influence or or authority or whatever that is. If that's a worship thing, that's that's different, and you're you're inherently calling people to the gospel in the way you worship. And if it's a warfare thing, it's I need to grab power back from other people. That's why I'm engaging this. Uh, that's not that's not proclaiming the gospel at all. Um, and this is all of life. It's not just political thing. That's all of life. Right. Um, so I think that, that that you have to question, what am I doing? How am I engaging this thing? Because you could be engaging the same exact thing, and it could be the warfare rather than the worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and externally, people would maybe not be able to tell the difference. Uh, if you jump into some character things or tone or things like that, maybe mm-hmm. you can tell. But internally, ponder that. Am I engaging a war trying to grab power from the other, or am I engaging in worship trying to love my neighbor um, but also point to the God who should be worshipped. And I, yeah, I think my other practical thing too is I, that was really beautiful. I loved that mm. paragraph that you read. Uh, but my other practical thing would just be uh, I have access to the throne mm. of yes. grace. Yes. And if I am not utilizing that, I am betraying the power that is mm. given me. And so ultimately, uh, that's probably not only a barometer of am I, um, am I trying to wield other power besides spiritual power, but I have access to the spiritual power. If I'm not using it, that's a pretty telltale sign that mm. I've got something right, right. non-Christian happening in my own heart about prayer or about power. Otherwise, I would be praying and trusting the Lord to do that for us. So That's good. Anyway, th- that's just maybe another one. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that um, just us talking about it gets it maybe a little more front and center because I think that's some of it is that we lose sight. I lose sight of it. I mean, what I don't lose sight of is the fact that there are problems everywhere, right? Mm. And when I have problems everywhere and I think, okay, how can we solve those? Let, I want to go into action. I want to get somebody else to mm-hmm. vote somebody else into mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. And I forget that there's, there is power in prayer and that ultimately the promise of power for me is to, to know the one who sits on the throne. So That's good. It's a good last word, too. I like that. 
Um, well, friends, listeners, if you have, if you came up with any other practical ways of engaging, please send them our way uh, via comment. Um, you can send an email to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. Uh, if you want to record it or even ask us a question, you could do so at uh, speakpipe.com slash podcast, and we could maybe use that in a future episode or uh, at least use that and, and get some. We love to hear comments. We love to hear questions. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review goes a long way. Shoot it in a friend. Uh, shoot shoot, the, <laughs> shoot a friend. Don't shoot a friend. <laughs> shoot a text to a friend and let them know what we're doing, um, especially if maybe they wrestle with the power piece uh, and politics. Uh, hopefully this conversation will help them out and we'll look forward to the next conversation. 